good to see everybody that's here this evening. Glad to have you with us uh, there online. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, any of those platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share, uh, comment there, and let others know that you're there. Uh, that just helps with getting the word out uh, even more, so I encourage you to take the time to do that. Uh, and then uh, welcome to those that are on our phone live streaming also. Uh, hopefully you're there with us already too on the phone call. If you need that number uh, after church, please sure to be sure to see me. I'll give you that number. If you need that number at home to give to someone who uh, may not have internet service, call our church office. We'll be glad to give that number to you. If you do have access to the church website, I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. Under the info tab, you can download the worship bulletin for this week children's worship bulletins for this week, but especially for tonight, our prayer list. So you may want to get that downloaded, uh, print a copy off, have it there on your phone, your device, uh, your screen, wherever you may uh, have it there so that you can go through the prayer list there with us uh, as we add individuals. And while you're on the church website, if you would go to the far right-hand side, uh, click the Give Online tab there, real easy platform, uh, real easy setup there. Uh, you can do that as a recurring gift. You can do that as a one-time gift. We have a lot of people who use that uh, service, uh, so we thank you for using that uh, and encourage you to take the time to do that. If you want to give to the to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you can do that also uh, on there. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. Be in prayer. Uh, don't forget the prayer guides for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. There are still in the windowsill. You can grab one of those if you've lost yours from Sunday. Be sure to be praying for each one of those missionaries uh, in there. We'll be sharing some more missionary videos about that. Uh, but you can do your online giving there for uh, your Lottie Moon Christmas offering, too. So that's all the announcements, I think, that I have for right now. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our song. Turn your hymnals to hymn number 24. And we don't sing this one a lot, so uh, we'll, we'll learn this one. If you haven't done it before, we'll learn it together. 24, he is able to deliver thee. the grandest thing through the ages rung tis the grandest thing for a mortal tongue tis the grandest thing that the world e'er sung our god is able to deliver thee he is able to deliver thee he is able to deliver thee though my Tis the grandest thing in the earth or main. Tis the grandest thing for a mortal strength. Tis the grandest thing tell the world again. Our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. I sit oppressed, no today, for rest our God is able to deliver thee. Tis the grandest thing, let the tidings roll to the guilty heart, to the sinful soul. Let to God in faith he will make thee whole, our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. He is 
hopefully you've had a moment to get your prayer list uh, downloaded there from off the website. Uh, if you need one in person, they're on the ends of the pews, uh, and you can grab one uh, from there. Uh, as we take a look at our prayer list, just a few uh, updates uh, that I do have. If you have prayer requests at home, be sure to share those on Facebook as we remind people that's the place we'll see the live uh, prayer requests there, so be sure to share those uh, requests there, and we'll try to get those in uh, before we dismiss tonight. Uh, we do have several who are on our prayer list that we just want to give a quick update on. Uh, Rick German had his surgery. Uh, he did well through that and is recovering, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we still want to continue to pray for Brother Jack Doubt. Uh, he's watching from home, I see. Uh, so welcome there, Brother Jack. Uh, continue to remember him with his medical issues. Brian Tate uh, with his medical issues. Glad to see Brother Tony here with us tonight, and glad you're doing much better, not even having to use the walker tonight. So that's great. Praise the Lord. Um, we also want to remember Jimmy Marlowe. Uh, he is still doing therapy. Uh, that seems to be going well if he'll just stick with everything, uh, and so keep him in your prayers. Robert Everett, his surgery got delayed on Monday, uh, so I don't know when that's been rescheduled for, uh, for his double knee replacement surgery. I've uh, not been able to get with him, so... Has anybody heard from him? I know Roger had went to visit him, but Roger's not here uh, with us tonight. But just keep Robert in your prayers. We know he's got to have that surgery, uh, and so keep him in your prayers. And then also, um, Michelle Olson, we want to remember uh, her in prayer. She continues uh, to heal from, from her uh, surgery uh, also. And then on the friends and family side, uh, Laura Hendricks, I think Becky told us, uh, Pat stepped out, that she has six more uh, treatments. That's Becky Moffat's daughter. Uh, she's got six more treatments left, and so keep praying for her as she continues for, through those. Judy Stockdale asked us to add Sandy McKinney, who has some family medical issues. We want to remember the family of Dee Dee Henderson. We had her funeral here uh, today, and uh, just continue to pray for that family as they, you know, many times it's after everybody's gone home that things really begin to settle in. So keep, keep them in your prayers through all of that. Doug Ray's recovering from his surgery. Keep him in your prayers. And then uh, we mentioned last week that Teresa Seaborn had passed away. So remember the family of Teresa Seaborn. Uh, we also want to remember the family of Ken Jordan. Tomorrow will be his service at First Baptist at 11 o'clock. Uh, they'll be doing a memorial service there uh, for him. Uh, I do know that uh, there was a change on the nursing home list. Uh, Miss Susie Barton uh, had fallen at uh, uh, Morning Point, and they had to take her to the hospital Sunday, and now uh, they were waiting on a room to open up, and she's at NHC now uh, and will be there, uh, from what I understand, for the, for the duration. So keep her uh, in your prayers as she's recovering from her fall and uh, may need some things going there. Who else told me? Um, Brother Marlon, uh, remember him in your prayers. Uh, he has been walking the last few days with a with a walker uh, and uh, has hurt his hip. He's going to have to have some uh, surgery done maybe after the first of the year. He, I think he's going later this month to see the specialist. So uh, keep him in your prayers um, through all that he's going through. Any others that we need to mention in prayer? Any others we need to add? I don't see any there on Facebook. Anyone else? Your mom and dad doing okay? I know they're probably fixing to get to move back. That's what I understand from today. 
uh, pray for them and all that. That's a lot moving back and forth there. So, but they've been enjoying the time. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock at First Baptist. Mm-hmm. Any others? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then, and we'll get right into our Bible study here in the book of Zechariah. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and just for the blessing of life itself. Lord, none of us know when we might draw our last dying breath. We don't know when that day may come for any of us. So, Lord, help us to live uh, with the anticipation that this could be that day to make the most of the day that we have, the most of the moments that we have, for that's all that we have, Lord. We can't go back and undo anything we did in the past. We can only seek forgiveness and cleansing from that. We can seek to make right wrongs that we have done. Uh, but ultimately, Lord, we are to be looking towards the future, running the race that you've set before us, keeping our focus on Jesus. And Father, I pray that uh, as we do that tonight, we recognize we are sinful, we need forgiveness. And so, Lord, we come to you and ask you to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Wash us as white as snow, that we might be renewed in our hearts and our relationships with you. Lord, to be set on the path of righteousness for your name's sake, to make a difference in the world that we're living in, to not just uh, say that we live for Christ, but that people will see it in our actions, in our words, in the things that we do. And so, Father, we just pray for uh, you to use our lives as a witness and testimony to the world around us. Father, forgive us for where we have failed you. And help us, Lord, to, to strive each and every day to live in that moment, being faithful one moment at a time, one day at a time. Lord, we want to come before you tonight, especially on behalf of these that are on our prayer list. Uh, we want to ask, Lord, for you to just touch them. Many of these need that physical healing, so we know you're the great physician. Lord, we've seen your hand at work. We've seen you bring people through uh, physical situations. So we just ask for you to touch them, Lord, uh, to bring the healing that they need to their bodies. Father, whatever their needs might be, many times there are many other needs with, uh, along with the physical, like mental and uh, family, sometimes financial, uh, sometimes other uh, issues that may be going on too, Lord. So we know that there is nothing that's too great for you to handle. And so we just want to uplift these individuals and all of their needs to you because you've told us in your word that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So for each one of these, Lord, shower them, pour out your grace and your mercy upon them. Father, we pray for your hand to be upon them uh, to bring the healing they need, uh, not only physically, but especially spiritually. Father, we pray that if any of these do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, may this be, Lord, a time as they're going through that they would look to Jesus and they would trust in Jesus and that you would do your work in their lives. And may then they, as they receive that healing, Lord, may you help them to faithfully follow you each and every day of the rest of their life. Father, we just want to pray uh, for those who have lost loved ones. We pray, God, that you will continue to comfort their hearts, continue to encourage them and give them strength. Uh, for each and every day that they have. Lord, we know that for some of these, it's very fresh. For some of them, it was very sudden. And so, Father, we just pray that uh, you will embrace them in your love and make your presence known to them and let them know that they're not alone. Father, that they would know that you are with them and may that give them strength and encouragement for the days ahead. Lord, we pray for uh, you to just uh, do a work in their hearts and in their lives in a special way. And especially those who are in the nursing homes, Lord, 
Uh, we know especially at times like this, at Christmas, uh, this can be, a, uh, in the holidays, it can be a difficult time uh, for them and their families. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, you will help them to have uh, as best as what you, they can in those situations to have a, a great holiday season. Lord, be with uh, their families, Lord, and, and I pray that you will be with them and let them know that they are not alone either. May you uh, just continue to show your mercy to them, Lord, and continue to show your love towards them. Father, we pray that you will bring healing where healing needs, and Father, we pray that you'll bring salvation where salvation is needed. Lord, we know that this is a great and awesome opportunity that we have uh, during this season of year, uh, that we can share the gospel with people who are more open and more receptive because the season is focused on the birth of Christ. Uh, Lord, we know that the commercialism has, has come in to the holiday and, and, and tends to pull people away from the reason, but Lord, I pray that we'll be able to share uh, more and more with people around us the reason for uh, this season, the reason for Christmas. And Father, I pray that in sharing not only the birth of Christ, may we be able to share about the death and the resurrection of Christ, the death for our sins and the resurrection to eternal life. And Father, we just pray that you'll help us to be the faithful witnesses we need to be for the days ahead. So bless us, Lord. Give us strength. May we be refreshed in these days. And Father, we just ask for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. Lead us tonight, Lord, as we come to the book of Zechariah. Lord, as we look at this message about being transformed, may you indeed begin to transform and change our hearts and change our lives to where you would have us to be. Lord, help us to, to not focus on things that may be preferences or traditions, but Lord, to be transformed and changed into what your will would have us to do as a church, as individuals, that we would be focused on bringing glory to your name. And Lord, I pray that we will make the name of Jesus known to the world around us in a powerful way. Bless us tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. If you did have a prayer request there and you forgot to give that online, be sure to do that on Facebook. We'll check there again before we dismiss to make sure there's no other prayer requests there. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 7. If you don't know where Zechariah is, find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and go back two books. Malachi is right before Matthew and Zechariah is right before that. We're in Zechariah chapter 7, the message tonight, uh, as, as Zechariah has received those eight visions already, uh, finished that up in chapter 6, uh, we come now to chapter 7, and the message is to be transformed. You know, the, the reality in life is that when you're having a party, when you're having a celebration, when you're having a picnic in life, somebody else, somewhere... Is having a funeral and when you're having a funeral somebody somewhere else is having a party at the moment when you're celebrating the greatest joy uh, of your life understand that there are others who are experiencing the greatest sorrow uh, of their life here's the good news about our God he can take a funeral and transform it into a celebration he can take our mourning and our sorrow and turn it into dancing. He can take our sorrows and transform it into joys. He can take our times of fasting and turn them into seasons of feasting. And that's the truth that we're going to discover here in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 1 down through verse 14. And we're actually going to look just a little bit into chapter 8 
also. So uh, the first thing I want you to see here tonight from this message that Zechariah is giving to the people is that God transforms us from fasting to feasting. He transforms us from fasting to feasting. So let's just read the first three verses, and then we're going to skip over to verse eight, chapter 8, 8 and look at a few more verses over there. So chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 3 says this. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regamelech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? It's important for us to understand as we come to these first three verses that this message, as we're given the dates here, we need to understand that this is about two years that have passed between Zechariah chapter 6 and Zechariah chapter 7. So about two years have gone by. In the first six chapters of the book that the Lord gives Zechariah, he gives him a series of visions. The eight visions told God's people that the Lord would be faithful to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and that God was going to do something great in the middle of the city of Jerusalem 70 years after his people were carried away into captivity. As chapter 7 begins... It's now two years later, and the temple is about halfway through the construction at this point. And so a delegation of men come to Jerusalem from the outlying town of Bethel. Remember what Bethel means? House of God. So they come from Bethel to ask Zechariah and the other priests and the prophets who were there this question. Do we keep? on fasting do we keep on mourning do we keep on remembering that our city jerusalem was torn down and that the temple was torn down do we keep on fasting now that the temple is being rebuilt because if you remember when all this happened when jerusalem and the temple were destroyed it became traditional for the jewish people to fast four times during the year There was only one fast that God had commanded his people to observe, and that was the fast on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in Leviticus chapter 23. So there was only one day God had commanded them. They had instituted four times during that time after the temple had been destroyed, and so they began to to establish a tradition themselves. There was no other fast that was mandated, no other fast that was commanded by the Lord. But when Jerusalem was destroyed the people began to fast at four other times of the year. Let me share with you some of those times that they fasted. They fasted in the 10th month to commemorate when the Babylonians had begun to lay siege to the city of Jerusalem. You know, so fasting for them was was like a time of sorrow that that it was then that Babylon uh, had come against Jerusalem and laid siege to the city. They fasted not only in the 10th month, they also fasted in the 4th month to commemorate when the city walls of Jerusalem had been broken through. They fasted in the fifth month uh, to commemorate when the temple in Jerusalem had been burned. And finally, they fasted in the seventh month 
the month when the governor, Governor Gedaliah, uh, had been assassinated. So there were four times that they were assassinated, they, they were doing fasting, uh, one of those doing with the assassination here. And so, uh, and then they also have in addition to that, the time they're commanded to fast at the time of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. So this delegation of men from Bethel, they come to Jerusalem and they're saying, listen, the fifth month is about to come, a time we've traditionally fasted. We've always fasted in the fifth month to commemorate the burning down of the temple. Well, what we want to know is now that the temple is being built back up, do we continue to fast or not? And the answer that God eventually gives is found over at the end of chapter 8, in chapter 8 and verse 18 and following. So if you will turn over to Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 18, and we'll go down through the end of the chapter there. So verse 18 says, And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, so this is the Lord answering now through Zechariah, the question that they asked back at the beginning of chapter 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore love truth and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days... Ten men shall, from, from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And so that answer comes there, especially in verse 18 and verse 19. Uh, the prophet had answered the men's question by telling them that there's a day that's coming when all of Israel's fasts are going to become seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts uh, for the house of Judah. Uh, all of Israel's fasts would be transformed into feasts. And God promised that there would be people who are going to come from all over the world uh, that day uh, just to experience the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. In fact, you'll remember there in those last verses we were reading, there are going to be men of other nations who are going to be grabbing hold to the hymns of, of Jewish people who are going uh, to the city there of Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And they're going to be saying, let us, let, let us go with you. Uh, we've heard that God is with you. And so that's the culmination of Zechariah's message in verse 23 as he envisions this time when ten men, uh, that's a Hebrew expression uh, that implies many, many men uh, are going to come to Jerusalem from the nations of every tongue, from every direction, from every nationality. And God promises that these multitudes are going to grab the robe of a Jew and beg them to take them to the temple because we've heard that God is with you. In short... God was going to transform their fasting into feasting, and everyone would know that God was with them. Now, for the nation of Israel, that day, this day is pro that is prophesied in Zechariah chapter 8 has not yet fully come. Uh, it will come one day when for a thousand years Jesus Christ reigns on the throne of David in Jerusalem and all the nations will come to worship and to serve him. But even now, 
when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in the hearts of our lives, he can transform times of our lives that are times of fasting into feasting. He can take, in other words, he can take the most difficult circumstances that you're going through, the most broken times of your life, and, and turn them into times of feasting, into uh, fruitfulness through his power. And so the opening verses back in Zechariah chapter 7 and those closing verses in chapter 8 kind of serve as the frame, if you will, the bookends, if you will, for understanding all the verses that are in between. Uh, between being asked the question, do we keep on fasting, and, and giving the answer, you can start feasting. Uh, Zechariah addresses the heart attitudes of the people in those in-between verses that have to change in order for them to experience the living presence of God, to experience the times of feasting. So he's, he's going to lay out for them, here's, here's the question you've answered. Let me tell you what all has to transpire to get you to this place. Of, of feasting. There's some changes, some transformation that needs to happen in, in your life for you to experience the living presence of God. And so in those intervening verses, it unfolds the central idea that experiencing God's living presence requires a deep transformation in our lives. In other words, not just a surface change, not just a, 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 a temporary outward change. It has to be a change in the heart. And so by the power of the gospel, we know God transforms us. You know, some believers make the mistake of thinking that God's transforming work begins and ends the moment of salvation. But throughout Scripture, God reveals uh, his desire to work in his people day by day by day by day to transform our lives from where we are here when we first come to faith in Christ to way over here where he wants us to be. So it's a journey day by day, moment by moment of growing in our faith more and more with him. And so in order to move from fasting to feasting, there is a deep transformation that we have to allow God to work in our lives. So Zechariah 7 and 8 show us several ways that God wants to transform his people. Uh, and, and we're only going to look at a few of those tonight. We'll catch the one in chapter 8 uh, next time. But we see first that he transforms us from serving ourselves to serving him. Because notice what verse 4 uh, down through verse 7 goes on to say. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Now he doesn't give an answer directly for the question yet until we read in chapter 8. He's going to give some other things for them. So the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Verse 5. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh month for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So we saw there those men from Bethel came to Zechariah saying, Shall we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we've done these many years? And after asking that, the men here discover the Lord has some questions of his own. And so he asks, when you fasted, when you lamented, 
in the fifth and the seventh month, all these 70 years, were you really doing it for me? Now, the tone of the question there seems to imply its own answer. In other words, no, the people weren't truly fasting for the Lord. Who were they fasting for? Themselves. And so the next question makes the Lord's meaning even clearer. And so he says, when you eat and when you drink, don't you eat and drink simply for yourselves? So God takes this occasion uh, of their question to reveal what is truly in the hearts of people. Yes, they were fasting faithfully. They had been fasting faithfully in the fifth month and during the other times that they had set aside, but their religious activity was designed primarily to please themselves. The Lord reminded the people that the earlier prophets who had ministered prior to the exile taught the Jews to perform their acts of worship and devotion to God from something deeper than a sense of duty that we have to, or from a sense of obligation, or even from a sense of tradition. Uh, and that's what he's talking about in verse 7 uh, there. Even back in the days of Samuel, God had sought to impress upon the people's hearts that what he desired was obedient hearts more than those sacrifices that they were offering on the altar. So when, when God's people observe a fast or any other religious tradition to please ourselves and to win the admiration and the approval of others, God's not pleased with that. And that, and that effort and that activity is a wasted activity because it's on ourselves. If we're serving ourselves instead of serving him, uh, then our activity becomes empty. Uh, no matter how outwardly commendable our actions might be. I mean, the, for many of the Jews in Zechariah's day, fasting four times every year, it just became a meaningless tradition. It, they were just going through the motions. And it literally, for some, became a type of idolatry, sort of a sacred cow, if you will. Don't touch that. We've been fasting for four times a year in addition to this other time uh, at the Day of Atonement. Uh, we can't stop doing that now. Don't, don't tell us to stop doing that. That's our tradition. And it, so it becomes this, this form of idolatry, if you will. You know, our attachment even to traditions usually show up the most powerfully when we're asked to break a tradition. Like, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that we do, uh, whether it's singing from a hymn book or singing from the screen or whether it's singing uh, hymnal songs, uh, the old traditional songs, or whether it's singing uh, praise and worship songs, whether it's having a steeple on a building or not having a steeple on a building. Uh, there's all kinds of traditions. You can think of all kinds of things. I mean, we've had to change things uh, during COVID to not passing offering plates to having you put your offering in the plates down here or doing it online. Uh, that's a, been a, a difference. And so some people struggle with that. Why do we still do that? Some people struggle with why don't we shake hands again? You know, we, we get sometimes stuck in our traditions. That's not a biblical command, uh, per se. And they're good things. I mean, you think about what they're doing here. Fasting is good uh, if you're fasting to the Lord. And fasting's okay if you're fasting to yourself, for yourself. To uh, I'm doing intermittent fasting myself. I'm losing some weight from it. But I know that when I'm fasting, I'm not fast, doing intermittent fasting for the Lord. I'm doing that for myself. I'm not pretending to do it. To the Lord. They were thinking that what they were doing uh, was honoring the Lord, uh, that they were worshiping the Lord. 
you know, and, and so there's all kinds of things. The list could go on and on and on of all kinds of things that become traditions, but not necessarily biblical. They're just traditions. It may be nice, it may be meaningful, uh, but it's non-essential until somebody goes and wants to change it. And, and then it's, oh no, we can't do that. We, we've always done it that way. You've heard those words? We've always done it that way. And that's, that's the, the dying words of, of every uh, Baptist church. We've always done it uh, that way uh, when a church is dying. You know, the danger of any religious tradition, whether it's keeping a fast or singing a certain song or praying certain words at a certain time in a certain way, is that tradition easily degenerates into traditionalism. Uh, there was an interview with, uh, with the U.S. News and World Report with the theologian uh, Yarsolov Pelikan, uh, who once said this. He said, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism, he said, is the dead faith of the living. And here's what he meant in that. Tradition is what those who have gone before us have done to express their living faith in the living God. They established those traditions, he said, because it meant something in their own hearts. But traditionalism is when we take the form of what has been done before and we just go through the motions without considering the meaning. So experiencing God's living presence requires deep transformation and we begin to say uh, the transformation ought to lead us to the place to say Lord I want to serve you and not myself I don't want to just go through the motions anymore when I pray I want to talk with you I want to hear your voice I don't want it just be me talking to you when I fast I want to prepare my heart to meet with you when I come to worship whether I'm singing from a hymn or I'm listening to a song on a video or we're singing a praise song, Lord, I want to worship you. I don't want to just come to church and stand up and sing and sit down and listen to a message and go on the same way I came in. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your heart. That's the transformation that needs to happen in our lives as believers not just a one-time thing but a daily thing always looking at those things in our lives have i elevated some things in my life to a place of tradition or traditionalism that i've elevated those things over what god wants me to be doing so much so that i i, I i've restricted in a sense sometimes what, what god wants to do in my life by saying I can't do it any other way we've always done it that way so in essence God was asking the people of Judah who had been faithfully fasting for 70 years four times a year he's saying were you fasting to honor me or were you fasting for yourselves so that you'd feel better so that you'd appear godly when you feast and you eat he's saying are you feasting to give praise and glory to me or are you just having a good time for yourself? God wants to transform us from serving ourselves to serving him. He transforms us from fasting to feasting. 
and from pursuing religion to pursuing righteousness. And then thirdly, he transforms us uh, there, as we see that, from pursuing uh, religion to pursuing righteousness, as we'll see here in verse 8 uh, down to verse 10. So verse 8 uh, goes on to say this. It says, The word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. And so let's just stop right there for just a moment. So Zechariah reminded the people, your forefathers have been very faithful in their appearance when practicing their religious rituals in the temple. But they had failed to pursue God's righteousness. In other words, they were wearing the tie, they were wearing the suit, they were wearing the right things on the outside. They looked good on the outside, but as Jesus would say, their hearts were far from him. Their, their insides were like whitewashed sepulchers. Uh, they've been whitewashed on the outside. A tomb's been whitewashed on the outside. It looks like a beautiful thing, but on the inside, Jesus said, it's full of dead men's bones. That's what uh, religion uh, and traditionalism is. And, and so uh, he says when they're practicing their religious rituals in the temple, uh, that's the way they're, uh, they are doing. Uh, they failed to pursue God's righteousness. And so he gives the people a series of tests to show where they really were spiritually. And so the first test is render true judgments or make fair decisions. So this involved treating others fairly. They had not been treating others fairly since they had been back uh, from the exile. Uh, they were beginning to go back to their old ways once again, taking advantage of one another. That's some of the things that the visions spoke about uh, with the judgments that were coming. And so what he's saying is you've got to start treating people fairly, uh, especially in your business and your trade where you've been uh, hurting people. Uh, for the second test, he says, you've got to show kindness and mercy or, or faithful love and compassion to one another. Now the term for faithful love there is often translated kindness. It's the Hebrew word chesed. It speaks to the faithful and compassionate love that God has for his people. In other words, without strings attached. It's not like we do sometimes. We, we treat others. If, you treat, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice back to you. That's not the kind of love God's talking about here. He's saying, I'm going to be nice to you no matter how, you're, how you treat me. I'm going to be faithful to you no matter how you are towards me. And so God wants us to have that same kind of faithful love uh, to, to, to one another. And this type of faithful love and compassion ought to guide our relationships as God's people. And so that's the second test that he gives. He says, show kindness or mercy. Show faithful love and compassion to one another. The third test is this. He says, do not oppress. Do not oppress in verse 10. Uh, that's the general command. Uh, then the Lord lists some of the weakest and neediest, the most defenseless, the most disadvantaged people who had to be protected. He says, don't oppress the widow. He says, don't oppress the fatherless. Don't oppress the sojourner or the stranger, the person not of your nationality who's living with you. Don't oppress the poor because they had been. 
And so God was warning his people not to mistreat and take advantage of those who have no power. And then the last test cautions against taking advantage of other people or seeking revenge. And so God says uh, there in verse 10, he says, Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Don't plot any evil against another. Righteous living requires us to let go of any grudges you have against others. And, and it requires refusing to devise ways of hurting others, even those who have hurt you. Our human sinful tendency is when somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them. And God is saying here to the nation of Israel, and he's saying to us tonight, we need to not hurt others even if they have hurt us. And so God gives these tests here so that his people could hold up their hearts to his pure and holy standards to make sure that they're not just being religious, they're not just going through the motions, but instead that they are pursuing righteousness, a transformation in the heart. Uh, Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 16 down to verse 17 uh, contains a similar call there to practical righteousness in the way God's people live. Uh, it lists actions that God approves of and, and that he hates. Uh, we, can, we can pursue religious activity all day long uh, and yet be far, far from God. In other words, you could come to church every time the doors are open and still not be where you need to be with the Lord. Uh, and, and that transforming relationship with God, when that happens in your life, it, it causes hearts to act rightly towards others. Uh, I've seen pieces of Chinese pottery like plates, bowls, pitchers, teapots, cups, all kinds of things that are made with a white pale blue design all over them. They're beautiful, they're ornamental, but I've seen some of those that every one of them has a sticker on them or has words painted on the piece in blue paint with a warning message that says, for decorative purposes only. Do not use for cooking, drinking, or eating. Could result in poisoning. And those blue and white Chinese cups and saucers and plates and bowls, they look like something you could eat off of. They look like something you could drink from. But inside of them, there's a poisonous and very dangerous substance. Pursuing religion without righteousness is much like that. Because too many times our faith is for decorative purposes only. It's so others can look at us and, and we can get applause from others. It may be attractive, it may be impressive on the outside, but on the inside the poison of sinfulness and selfishness remains. Just like the Pharisees that Jesus described that we mentioned before uh, who, who cleaned the outside of the cup and the plate but they left inside filled with greed and, and self-indulgence Matthew 23 verse 25 to 26 and so for the Lord the issue isn't what I show everybody on the outside but what's going on in my heart on the inside and only the power of the gospel can cleanse us from the inside. We can give ourselves a spiritual makeover all we want. We can give ourselves a religious facelift and an attempt to make ourselves look better. And you can make yourself look better because we can always say, well, at least I'm not like her. Or at least I'm not like him. 
and we try to elevate ourselves, give us ourselves a, a spiritual makeover if you can. But we cannot change who we are on the inside. Only God can do that. He makes us right with himself through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we can live those transformed lives that move beyond our greed, beyond our self-indulgence, beyond our selfishness. And it's through the transforming work of the gospel that we can begin to live with selflessness and kindness and compassion towards others. And then finally, in verse 11 down through verse 14, he tells us that he transforms us from listening to our desires to listening or to, to hearing his voice. And so another way that God moves us from fasting to feasting is by teaching us to hear and obey his voice rather than following the voice of our own desires or the voices of this world. And so these verses talk about the people of Judah before the exile, describing their unwillingness to listen to God. So look at verse 11 down through verse 14. He says, But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears, like little kids sticking fingers in their ears. I'm not going to listen. I, 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 I don't want to hear what you got to say. That's what he's, the kind of image he's given there. They stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, they would not hear. So they called, and I would not hear says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that, it, that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate so that no one went to and fro and the pleasant land was made desolate. So understand this. Here is God who's saying to his people of Judah before the exile, he's describing their unwillingness to listen to his voice. And after staying here that they refuse to pay attention, he pictures his people's deliberate intention with several powerful, picturesque pictures. One, he says, they turned a stubborn shoulder. Uh, that phrase describes the rejection communicated by unmistakable body language. When, when it's like you're talking to me and you're telling me something, that's a statement with our body language. I'm not listening. To what you're saying. That's what he's saying here. They turn a stubborn shoulder. It's like they're turning their back on somebody who's speaking to them. The Lord, uh, the people had turned their backs on the Lord with a defiant attitude. God, you can talk all you want, but we're not going to listen. He says they stopped or closed up their ears. Uh, they, in other words, literally there in the Hebrew is they made their ears heavy. Uh, similarly, the language is used in Isaiah 6. In verse 10 that says, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind with eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. It's kind of like what we said a while ago, like that disobedient child putting their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing the parents' instructions. That's the way the people of Israel were. Uh, they had worked hard not to listen to what God was saying. And then he says, they made their hearts rock hard. They made their hearts diamond hard. 
And so the Hebrew word there means an extremely hard, impenetrable, unbreakable stone. They had made their hearts as hard as the hardest stone. The hardest stone we know is a diamond, and that's what he's saying here. They've made their heart the hardest it could possibly be. Even though God, by his spirit, had sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and his messengers came to bring his word to, to the, to the pre-exilic, before the exile, to those Jewish people, the people were determined not to hear the Lord, as verse 12 uh, tells us there. And then, in effect, they were telling God, we're not going to hear you. We're not interested in what you got to say. We're going to keep our rituals, and we're going to do our religious things that make us feel spiritual, but we're not going to chance the way we live our lives. We're going to do whatever it takes not to listen to you. And then the remaining verses show God's response, that God became angry with his people in verse 12. And then, wow, God, you, you say, you're going to stop listening to me? I'll stop listening to you. And so he stopped listening to Israel when they called on him in verse 13. Ultimately, we find that God scatters them like a windstorm, a reference to the attacks of the nations of Assyria and Babylon, and the pleasant land uh, becomes a desolation. Decades later, God reminds uh, the current generation of Jews that the reason uh, they were having to rebuild the destroyed temple and the ruined city of Jerusalem was simply because their forefathers had not listened to God. And God's judgment in Israel's history stands as a warning to, to us today, uh, to individuals who are more intent on obeying their own desires rather than on obeying God's voice. In 2015, Microsoft built what is called in the Guinness Book of World Records as the quietest place on the planet. It's known as the Anahoic Chamber at the company's headquarters in Redmond, Washington. There are some others around the nation, but this one had the distinction uh, of being recognized in Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, it, they did some ultra-sensitive tests there performed in 2015 that gave an average background noise reading of minus 20.35 decibels. Once inside, they said there's absolutely no sound. Environments that we think of as ultra-quiet are typically louder, uh, the article said. Uh, than the human hearing threshold, which is around zero decibels. A library reading room, for example, uh, might chalk up around 40 decibels. The word anahoic means without echo. A and so it took two years to design this place. It's made up of six layers of concrete and steel. It's a bit disconnected from the surrounding building. A and an array of vibration dampening springs are situated below. Inside, the, uh, inside it, uh, fiberglass wedges are mounted on the floor, on the ceiling, uh, on the walls uh, to break up the sound waves before they have a chance to bounce back into the room. Now, you would think, oh, I'd love a quiet place like that to not have to listen to anything. But a quiet place like that may seem appealing when compared to the busyness and the noise of our world. The truth is, you'd probably hate it. Only very few people have ever been able to withstand being in the room for a long period of time, at most one hour. Even though you can't hear any sound in the room, you will hear things. With no sound from the outside world coming in, that total and utter silence will, bring, will, will gradually turn into an unbearable ringing in your ears. It'll likely lead you to lose your balance, 
due to the lack of reverberation in the room, which impairs your spatial awareness. When you turn your head, you can hear that motion. You can hear yourself breathing, and it sounds somewhat loud, they say. After a few minutes, you're already starting to hear your own heartbeat. A few minutes after that, you can hear your own bones grinding and your blood flowing. You can hear your lungs functioning, and you'll hear every single noise your stomach makes. You'll hear your own ears working. The silent room can actually cause hallucinations. What might seem like a peaceful place actually becomes a torture chamber. It's been said, as we said, that no one's been able to stay in that room by themselves for more than an hour. Human beings cannot take that kind of silence. Imagine. Imagine what it would be like if God were to become absolutely silent. What if we stopped hearing God at all? What if the only things we could hear were our own thoughts, our own flawed ideas, the echoes of the past and, and our guilt, and the screaming opinions and the empty words of other people? What if God were simply to become silent? We would drown in hopelessness, despair, and lostness. Thank God, though, that he is not silent. Our God is speaking. He's speaking by his Spirit. He speaks through his word. And the question for us tonight is this. Are we listening? Are we obeying our own desires? Or are we listening to his voice? Are we able to tell the difference between what we want and what God wants? Are we able to tell the difference between our own voice and his voice? As we walk with him... As he transforms us, understand this, he wants to teach you how to follow him rather than your own desires. He wants to transform you so that you can learn to obey his voice. Not to just hear it with your ears, not to just turn your back upon him, not to stick your finger in your ears and say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but to say, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. It's uncomfortable but I'm going to do what you've told me to do in your word. You are going to be elevated above any traditions, any traditionalism, any religion, because I want to worship you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message tonight. What a powerful message this is from Zechariah that so many of us need to learn in our lives. Lord, that there are so many things that we allow as traditions in our lives. Things that are good, they're not wrong things. They're just wrong in that we've elevated them above things you would have us to do. And we sometimes let traditions keep us back from following you and going where you would have us to go, doing what you would have us to do, saying what you would have us to say, maybe even giving what you would have us to give because we think in our minds or we even say out loud, I've never done it that way can't do it that way. This is, the way I've only, this is the only way I've ever known. Father, I pray that we would put aside any preferences we have, any traditions that we may have elevated to, even especially if we've elevated those things to the place of being an idol. And Lord, that we would bring those things down and say, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Lord, I want to worship you and you, you alone. 
Lord, help me to hear your voice. Help me to be able to distinguish between my voice, the voices of the world, and your voice. And help me to not just hear it, Lord, with my ears, but help me, Lord, to obey it in my heart. May you, Lord, transform me because I can't change myself. Only you can. So transform and change me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining with us tonight as I look back on our Facebook page there. I don't see any prayer requests there, but thank you for watching uh, tonight there online. We will be back Sunday uh, at 1030 for our worship service. If you can come for Sunday school, I encourage you to come. Uh, you're missing a blessing by not being in person here, uh, but if you can't be, uh, we understand that. You worship with us uh, where you are there. Join with us at 1030, uh, but you have a blessed week, a safe week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.